Hello and welcome. My name is Timp. I'm Axiom. And I'm Murphy Durfee. And this is Go Mode, a Link to the Past randomizer podcast. Here we are in episode four. So kind of kind of established at this point. And uh, I spoke with Axe and I spoke with Herf. I said, you know what? We need to do something big. We need to pull out all the stops. I think it's time we get a guest in here. And we said, all right, when we get a guest in here, we want to make sure it's somebody big. We need a big name. Who is the biggest name that we can find when it comes to a Link to the Past randomizer? And that's the father of a Link to the Past randomizer, Vtorp, who's actually here joining us now. Vtorp, hello. Thank you for joining us. Hey, it's a pleasure to be joining you. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> hello. So, yes. Uh, so, yeah, we um, actually just wrapped up our interview with Vtorp. I'm super excited for everyone to hear that. Um, we're going to put that as our uh, episode feature. So... What that means is we're going to talk about a little bit of news, some things that are on our minds, and VTorp was kind enough to hang out and uh, join us for the discussion. So again, thank you so much for joining us uh, to all of you listening and to VTorp, and let's jump in. Let's start with the uh, summer tournament, which uh, is about as breaking as breaking news gets. We are actually recording this during game four of this tournament. Uh, so let me pass it over to Herf as usual and uh, tell us tell us where we're at with this. Yeah, so we're currently at, well, as you were saying, we're, we're recording this right in the middle of game four of the finals between uh, Gem and Agenev 174. Uh, it's looking to be pretty much in the bag, but no spoilers yet. Uh, we're currently at a 3-1 to one for Gem as of this current game. Uh, yep. And... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's over just as quickly as it started. There's still a ton of money on the line, and it's looking like who's getting what is slowly but surely coming out of there. Yep, and we are literally. I have the matchup right now. It's we're at the one seventeen one eighteen mark of the match. So if you have watched the match, you'll kind of have an idea of what we're say, seeing right now. And uh, if we do have any updates as that match goes on, uh, you know, with with Gem being up to one, it is possible this is the last one. We will let you know. Yeah, absolutely. So as a reminder, we do have some cash money on the line for this one. Uh, first place gets $4,500. Second place, how much does second place get? I believe the first place gets $4,000. The second place oh, gets $2,000. The third place gets $1,000. And the fourth place gets 500 bucks. Yeah, so um, both of them very happy with either one of those, but especially wanting to come out ahead. Um, so we'll we'll keep you updated on that. What else about the summer tournament? Any kind of, you know, now that we're kind of coming up to the end of it here, any sort of general takeaways any of you guys have that you want to kind of comment on? I mean, I, I think it was just a great, you know, as we are, you know, about on the boundary line between V29 and V30, you know, I I kind of got it, got started playing on V29. I will always remember it for that. And the summer tournament, I feel like, is a great, you know, send off to, uh, you know, what is the first version I've played and so far my favorite version. Um, so I think it's just a nice, nice thing to have to, you know, say goodbye to the old version and, uh, you know, get, get us ready for a new one. I miss non-progressive items. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like when they get better and better personally. I, I miss V18. <laughs> um, were we surprised uh, not to see Andy here? I mean, uh, kind of, I, I, uh, you know, Andy did and, you know, is, is a great player. Um, but looking at those top eight, 
it you had a lot of really good players so you knew that you know, it was anybody's game yeah i personally think you know not to take away from andy i like the guy very much and i think andy is a great dude and a great player but there's time for other top players to shine there's been enough andy hype in the past and there still is more than enough so i'm glad some other people get to showcase their skill and show that they're really that good Sure. And, you know, we, we've talked about Andy a lot on this program because he had won the, the fall tournament. He's won tournaments in the past. I, I just want to see the top play. A lot of times Andy is the one that's that's showing us that. But like you said, I just want, I want to see who the best is. And um, I will, you know, tip my hat to whoever that is and, and always happy to see new new names and new faces at the top as well. Uh, anything else about that? I would say that uh, Ben here is, um, you know, he's a two time winner. So that's right true yeah not exactly a new face that's that is a very good point we've we've seen we've seen ben in these tournaments uh many times ajaneb uh seen them many times and and all obviously very very talented player has won twice before so and i do with this i have to shout out gem for winning the entrance randomizer tournament i was put on by the community so he is also a tournament winner a little bit older <laughs> a little bit more obscure i guess but you know definitely i mean you, you got to be good at, at randomizer to be good at, at any other variant of randomizer, I think, you know, as kind of a kind of a basis of that. So awesome. All right. Let's move on to uh, talking a little bit about the fall tournament. As we know, that has been announced. Um, the qualifiers have not started yet, but we do have the specific dates of these 15 qualifier uh large sort of large scale sort of games that are going to be happening uh to qualify people fall qualifiers i'm calling them fallifiers what do you guys think about what do you guys fallifiers you like fallifier oh man <laughs> i think that's a little too punny that's, you don't like it it's actually we'll work app though because i think last year they were in the fall they did qualifiers qualifiers it's perfect yeah i put a little tm next to it uh whenever i typed it out so i think that means it's ours now um so so i personally i went into my phone calendar that tells me when i have to do anything and everything in my life and i programmed in every single one that i could potentially be in um all you have to do is let them know an hour in advance that you're going to be able to participate I think there's nine out of the 15 that I'm available for. I got them in my calendar. I'm doing it. I'm going to participate this time. What about you guys? I'm in. I've done the same thing. Uh, I can only make six because I have the the fortune of having a lot of my friends getting married uh, in October. So pretty much all my Saturdays and Sundays are shot. But uh, the ones I have been able to make, I've put in and I'm going to plan to play. I have no idea how I'll do. This will be the first you know, big time tournament I'll be in. Uh, so I'm excited to just go in and see how it goes. Yeah, I'm per- I've personally decided not to compete this time just uh, to give myself a little break. I'm also admittedly a little scared of all the different variations that might come my way should I make it through the qualifiers, which is already a pretty low chance, I would say. Uh, but yeah, I, it's going to be hard. Yeah, all of that on top of me being a comm moderator and various other duties that I want to do during the tournament, I, I just think it's a better idea to concentrate on that instead of trying to juggle this and playing. That's fair. I think I would have done sense. it, but I don't do um, I don't do the fall qual- uh, tournaments. <laughs> Why is that? I just I I didn't do it last year, and it's mostly to like to kind of have a decent game life balance if you will i mm-hmm. i pick like i'll do the um the spring 
because it's you know it's what it is and then it's the rest of the time because i don't want my my schedule to be always running tournaments right although yeah. this is yeah. the one that i would love to do because i i think you know giving love to all the modes that were made is is awesome yeah Definitely. And we actually will get into that a little bit when we get into our interview with Vitor talking about um, he's a busy guy, definitely a busy guy. And all of this is 100% volunteer, not just from him, but all of the uh, uh, the community uh, volunteers that, that participate and put all these on for us. So um, we, we always appreciate that time. But yeah, I am. I'm in there, baby. I'm, I'm excited to uh, to give it a go. Um, let's see. Oh, and, uh, by the way, they did release a document that has all of the rules about the qualifiers, um, things that you need to be aware of. Um, it's pretty dry read if I'm being honest, so we're not going to go over it, but I will definitely put a link to that in the episode description so you guys can check that out. Yeah. And one cool Um, thing that I like about it is they go in and they talk about why they've made the decisions they've made. For example, why are they doing qualifiers over a big Swiss? Why... Uh, for example, is insane mode not one of the ones that you can pick in the bracket stages? So just, I think, really good at being transparent and explaining the the hows and the whys of the tournament is helpful for the community. Yeah, it was really, they did not have to do that. You know, like we were talking about how it's difficult to participate in these tournaments. And they basically came back because they were hearing that from a lot of people and said, okay, we hear you. This is why we did what we did. And to have administrators that are that caring and that open and transparent about things is we're, we're lucky to be in the community that we're in. So I, that you're right. That is really cool. Not saying you shouldn't read that info. It's just, uh, yeah, uh, just check it out when you have a chance. It's stuff that you need to know. Um, so we'll put a, we'll put a link to that in the description. Uh, I wanted to quickly make a little bit of a clarification, and, and we have some unfinished business, gentlemen. Uh, we talked about sprites last time in the last episode. You know what? I feel like we were kind of hard on them. I've been thinking about it. It's been weighing heavily on me. I, I, I got wrapped up in what Herf was saying. He was really, you know, uh, coming out pretty <laughs> pretty strong against them. But after the episode wrapped, I was like, oh, you know, people, if they make these sprites, I'm sure, you know, they upload them. And then they're available as options. And if you want to play them, go for it. You know, that's that's I think that's great. And if you don't, then just don't. So we were hard on the sprites and, and nobody told me to come out and say any of this. But I just I just felt bad because I, I actually, in all honesty, think it's really cool that, that there are as many sprites and that, you know, we're adding some more. Um, and I'm not even just saying that because Vitorp is here, as you'll hear in his interview. He's <laughs> he's not exactly a big sprite fan either. Spoiler alert. So that's just how I feel. I don't know. I'm, I just wanted to get that out there. I'm a um, fan. I'm a fan of okay. sprites. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. No, he's, you'll, you'll hear. Yeah, just listen yeah. to listen to the interview. You'll 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 hear the whole story. So yeah. Um. So tip on yeah, that uh, on that topic. I know. You know, we talked about all of the sprites and what our, our favorites are and talked about that. But what about just the the new V30 sprites that are going to be coming out? How about those? Yeah, so we actually had uh, some folks reach out on Twitter in response to uh, our first conversation and said, hey, when you guys were talking about your new sprites, uh, the list of new sprites that you have, a lot of those ones that you said are, are already there. They're not new at all. Um, which we mentioned on the show, we, we don't look at a lot of them. We just pick the one that we know we like and and run with it. So that's why, but I figured we, like I said, it's some unfinished business. We need to just talk about these new ones. So what I did was I went through that old document and cut out all the ones that are currently available and made a new document of only the new ones. I think there's like 46 of them. There's a ton. Um, 
Yeah, so it's 46, so uh, I'll put that in the episode description, and if you guys want to get that out real quick, let's look at just the new ones and give them a, a real fair shake it, here. What do you guys think I, of these new ones? I, I'm looking right now. I'm going to list the ones that I'm like, I cannot even believe these guys are here. So we've got Sailor Moon, we've got Phoenix Wright, we've got Clifford the Big Red Dog, we've got Magus, we've got Psyduck, uh, an SNES controller, Ultros from Final Fantasy VI, I think it's that Meatwad from Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Ness. I mean, these are so creative. Uh, the the Cloud, or what, G- Gerdo, Gordo from uh, Kirby. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Gordo. Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. This is really like a lot of a lot of creativity. A lot of great work went into this. And there were some that we mentioned, you know, the SNES controller we mentioned last time. I, I love the idea of the um, the bunny sprite being a Genesis controller or maybe even an NES controller would be really funny. Um, you know, uh, Michelangelo is a new one that that's probably like turns into a little baby turtle in some way. You, like it's got to be a baby turtle right before the use. Well, maybe it so. turns into uh, another one of the Ninja Turtles. Maybe it just <laughs> yeah. turns into a normal turtle, you know, an unused turtle. Whoa. That's what I was saying. Yeah, or, like a normal turtle. Or what about a uh, a turtle from Pod? <laughs> that oh. would be good. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what all turtles look like in this universe. <laughs> Any other thoughts about these new sprites? Any other thoughts about sprites in general? Anything? Anybody want to get anything off their chest? Uh, so one, I mean, I am not a, an artist all, uh, by any means, but a I think it'd be very cool if we had a sprite for all of the bosses. One for for Trinex, one for, you know, the Armos Knight, for uh, Moldorm, for everybody, so that you can go through and say, I fought Trinex as Trinex, or I fought Moldorm as Moldorm. There are a fair <laughs> amount of them. And it, yeah, there, I think most, there's a, I don't know if there's a Trinex one yet. Vitri- no. no, there's no Trinex. There's there a is Vitrius. a Vitrius. I think I see Cold Stare in the new list. There's an Argus, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, that's yeah. only three or four. Yeah, there's a few left, but I, I just want Uncle. I, I said it before, and I'll say it again. <laughs> I need Uncle. So, all right. You know, I feel better. Thanks. Thanks for indulging me, guys. Yeah. Just um, to add to this, yeah. sorry to cut yeah. you off there, but uh, I, I just want to say that I very much appreciate the work all the sprite artists do. I never meant to like belittle anyone or talk bad about their work. I just think we're good on sprites, you know. We've, we have We've got a lot of them. I've uh, I heard a rumor that there's one more that you guys don't have in this list that's going to be in V30. Oh, is that right? Yep, just a rumor though. Oh. Huh? <laughs> huh? Okay. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm curious. I think I, I think I know what it is. Actually, we sort of we sort of talked about it a little bit in our interview. So, I think I have an idea. So, speaking of that interview, one of the things that we talked about a lot in that time was V30. So initially, I wanted to go through and, and talk a little bit about that here. But honestly, we we really dive in in that interview. So I'll kind of let that stand for itself. And instead, let's use this opportunity to talk, uh, uh, take another quick look into the Something Awful tournament uh, that we've been covering, um, you know, as participants, Axial and I, it's, it's a, kind of our main exposure to randomizer right now is the interactions that we have, not just with randomizer, but with these other people in this community. And the tournament has been going great. Max, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of the last week? Yeah, sure. So um, so I unfortunately was knocked out in the first. So again, there's a, a, an upper bracket for the top eight, uh, a middle bracket for the middle eight, and a bottom bracket for the bottom eight. So that way everybody who wanted to keep playing could play regardless of whether or not they qualified. 
I ended up slotting in as uh, one of the top four in the bottom bracket. Ended up playing the the same person I played in the last round of the Swiss. Uh, that is a player by the name of the Journey Fraternity, and it went back and forth. Um, Journey Fraternity took game one. I took game two because we had some of the trolliest item placements I've ever seen uh, in a race. And then in game three, uh, Journey Fraternity ended up winning uh, because I took an unfortunate death on Cold Stair. But uh, hats off to him. I'm I'm pulling for him now. Ended up commentating his. Uh, his first match with uh, with Timp and uh, on the other side on the top of the bracket we are in the semifinals now and uh, got to watch Buane, uh make it into the finals there uh, Buane, of course who was one of the top eight in the summer tournament is uh, is going to await a challenger in the the finals there so that should be really exciting uh, we're hoping to put on uh, some restreams of those final matches in all three brackets. Um, you know, get our get some exposure out there. Um, again, for everybody else who is in a, a smaller community, we really encourage you to, you know, get some folks together, try to put on a tournament, uh, get yourself in that race setting, uh, and get you some practice too before the uh, the big fall tournament starts up. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we did commentate uh, that that race. That was a ton of fun. That was just through a multi Twitch. You know, so if you're familiar, you can just kind of go to this website that just puts two Twitch streams right next to each other and you can toggle back and forth between chats. Uh, when there's not a lot of time to prepare, or we don't have a lot of volunteers available, that's how we do most of them. Um, and it works for us. You know, if, if the timing is off by a few seconds here or there, you know, it's still still extremely watchable. It's not, you know, unless there's like a photo finish at the end, it's not really that big of a deal. But in some occasions, we're able to, and again, shout out to TJF for uh, taking the initiative here, actually get a, a restream of our own going and have a really nice layout where we have a, an official, you know, tracking of, of both players, which TJF was, was also doing. And then both players side by side, time synced up, audio coming through, uh, you know, perfectly. And uh, Axe and I were able to commentate one of those. Uh, uh, it was Buane versus Nepnep. It was their game two of the quarterfinals. And man, what a what a race that was! It that was, was very that was just, exciting. Uh, yeah, it was. There were just so many weird, fun, cool kind of things. You know, the kind of stuff that you love to watch randomizer for. You know, there were sinks, there were uh, progression items in weird places. There were you know just all all kinds of stuff. And uh, we actually were able to upload that whole entire product to YouTube. So I'll put a link to that uh, in the description of the episode as well. Um, just fair warning, we might say some bad words in that, but, uh, if that is not the sort of thing that bothers you, definitely go check that out. Cause it was a great race and I had a ton of uh, fun commentating it and watching it with, with Axe. So, yeah, cool guys. Uh, so I wanted to, uh, go over here and uh, pick up this rock. So, so I just got this <laughs> rock up and now there's a portal here. Uh, and I think this portal is going to take us to interview world. So maybe we could all jump in. Yeah, let's go. Sounds good. All right, here we go. All right, guys. Now here we are with our featured interview with, uh, I would say by now we can probably call him the creator of uh, Link to the Past Randomizer. I know he's not the original creator, but he definitely has taken on the reins of making it mostly available to everyone. And we're here with the one and only Vitarb. How are you doing today, Vitarb? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Yeah, excited to have you on the show. Excited to dive into this, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're certainly very excited to have you. Thank you for uh, offering up some of your time for us here. And, um, well, I'm going to jump right into the questions. Our first question here is, 
I guess, you know, I know that Desirect is the guy who originally came up with the idea for Link to the Past randomizer, I believe from his Super Metroid randomizer days. About which time was it that you kind of took over from him and started, you know, taking up the reins and making everything that it is now? Uh, it would have been about January of 2017. He had a few releases before that it had been about for six months and then uh there were some features that were being worked on by carcat and i'm like i want to use those features and uh desi just didn't have the time to do that at the time so i'm like all right and i started uh i i get you know gave him a patch and uh, he's like yeah, i'm actually rewriting everything I'm like all right fine that works and then i just kind of was like all right well i'm gonna build my own idea of how i want this to work and then i kind of just went from there how did you get your start with modding games? Modding games, uh, Link to the Past randomizer. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, interesting. That's uh, that's a pretty good start, I'd say. <laughs> so you were learning a lot of how it works, so that you were you learning a lot of it, so that you could make mods to a Link to the Past, or did you kind of choose that game to be your start? Um, honestly, it was a group of my friends uh, that I would normally watch stream. Uh, really close friend Alucard, two thousand four. He was playing it one day, and I'm like, I remember that game. I love that game. I want to play this. And I, I messaged him, and he's like, just play it. I'm like, all right. So I started playing with him. And then I'm like, okay, this this is interesting. I want to learn more. And then it was straight from there. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to learn as much as I can about this. And I have learned a lot about SNES programming that I never thought in my life I would ever know. That's really interesting. What was the... Uh the most interesting thing you you learned during your SNES programming uh, experience? Um, well, so I've, I've done a lot of like more advanced language programming in my life. And just looking back at SNES where they had assembler, which is one of the, like, the lowest level language you can program in, just how they would solve problems that aren't problems in other languages. Like how do you do a loop? How do you handle like shuffling things around from only three or four registers in memory and like, you know, actively working memory and doing stuff in all, all the rest of the working memory. It's, it's really interesting when you're given all these constraints to come up with the games that they were coming up with at the time, especially linked to the past, which is just crazy. And to be able to fit it all into one megabyte is insane. Yeah, were there any uh, kind of coding quirks you noticed as you were digging around that you said, whoa, that is definitely a inventive way of doing that, and I never would have thought that was possible? Um, I think my favorite way of, of... I mean, there are some certainly interesting... Like, a lot of the things um, that I wouldn't have done in, in like because of my, my history with more modern programming was a lot of the ways that they handle lookup tables and pointers and bouncing around the code to get places... Um, but my favorite quote will always be from Carcat that when you're looking at the code, you can see that there were two main programmers working on it and that they either that they most likely hated each other and never <laughs> talked to each other because it, it's like two distinct people programming the code. And you'll have things that are just insane. Like um, so the flippers let the game know that you can swim in water and it checks that you have the flippers to see if you if you're able to swim but there's also a second table in memory that um has your abilities and one of them is swimming and if you enable that you still can't swim 
Oh, that's the, interesting. Oh, that is interesting. I believe the boots, however, uses that table. So even if you have the boots, you can't dash unless that flag is set in your abilities table. Or I've huh. set it the wrong way around, but I'm pretty sure that's it. I'm pretty sure boots require that flag to be set whether or not you have the boots. And the flippers, you just have to have the item. It was just one of those, like, I think two different people were approaching a problem and they both kind of like did it different ways. And you get these weird, like, little quirks like that in the game. So setting up that initial build of randomizer that Desirect had made, how how much of what we know today as ALTTPR was in that? Is Was the core logic sort of, you know, the same and we've built off of that? Or is it almost completely different? How would you classify that V1? Uh, okay, so uh, the <laughs> the versioning numbers are an interesting story. Um, in the previous version that was built in C Sharp, there were seven, eight releases maybe um, of the code. And V1, from what I understand, was a very basic shuffle of just like major items, like the big chests being shuffled around. And then each iteration got more and more. And when Carcat came in and, and assisted with like, the standing items that you see in the game were never randomized way back when because they were just heart pieces. They were literally just heart pieces. He had to rewrite the entire like draw code to be able to draw different things there. Um, when I came in, all bosses had heart containers and that was it. The um, There were a few other little things. So, and in it, there was only standard mode. There was no open or, or future modes that have been that we've been working on at all. So you would start the game and the 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 trolliest thing you could have would be the um moon pearl being on the ether tablet. That would be like the big kick in the pants. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so a lot of things have certainly grown. The version that I picked up and, and ran from the last thing that was done was the shuffle of pendants and crystals, but only in their respective worlds. So, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. Later, they were eventually shuffled cross world. So that was, it sounds, it's very, very early. And if we were able to, you know, go back and play that today, it wouldn't feel anything at all like where we are at, at V29 now. Uh, absolutely not. I mean, the, the the core components of playing Link to the Past will always be there, but um, yeah, it would have felt like you would have made different decisions. Uh, one of the best examples was you're never going into desert, you're never going into Hera because there was literally one item in each of those. So I was like, mm, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That's one of the things I really like is that all all ten of the dungeons. Um, because they are randomized th- that way is you you have to know all of them equally and it's always interesting to see which ones you may or may not have to go into so yeah i'm really glad that 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 was eventually added speaking of vanilla alttpr uh, so you know now i mean there's a lot of randomizers out there I, I follow a ton of accounts on twitter that talk about various randomizers and there's all sorts of them that are very popular but i would have to say this is the most popular one i don't know if that's because it was kind of the first one to sort of really rise in popularity but what do you think it is about A Link to the Past that has, you know, paired so well with Randomizer uh, to, to really kind of raise it to the level that it's at? Well, I think um, one is an amazing community. Uh, that That is like the first part is just people who are really awesome towards each other and um, very helpful. 
The other bit is Link to the Past. Like, it was just designed to be randomized. <laughs> I, really I feel the same way. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's a whole bunch of major items that lead to other places in the game. And most of those places aren't linear, meaning you can get to a certain place with two or three different sets of equipment. And yeah. that just really opens it up to giving a different game. And it's not like stats based because I mean, you can randomize stats based games, but that's just like, I don't know how much fun that is in some regards where it's like, Oh, okay. I rolled uh, a game where I get all the best stats. Now the rest of the game's just mm-hmm. kind of like playing through it in this one. It's you can get two or three major items, but you're still kind of like lost. You know, you might get the hammer and that's a great item, but there's like, you know, you're not overpowered immediately out of the gate. Yeah, most of the time it works out like that, especially since uh, now with how, I don't know how to put it, how elaborate the logic has become, I would say. Uh, I don't think you're ever really super overpowered until you're at least very close to the end of the seat anyways. Yeah, way back when, so so <laughs> more history. Um, when I, yeah, that's what we're here for. <laughs> what yeah, we're we here like for. history. <laughs> yeah, lay it on us. So in version seven of when it was v7 swords could not be outside of the three well four sword locations we count the uncle um they were always in those locations they weren't even randomized you wanted butter sword you went to the pyramid fairy you knew that it was there and you knew that the silvers were there uh made for interesting routing so people it was actually a thing where you're like i'm gonna go learn how to do silverless ganon because i'm not wasting the two minutes to go get the big bomb and drop it off which was, I mean, interesting now, it's kind of like, oh, I hope I find it along the way, but at least now I know how to kill Ganon without the silver arrows. So when you talk about some of these changes, what walk us through how that process goes. You know, you've got, you've got that first version. You say, oh, it would be really cool if we were able to make it so that, you know, the Pyramid Fairy items were more part of the mix, or we should have the Diamonds and the Pendants interchangeable. Is it just sort of an idea that you have and you talk in Discord and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, like how, how does that how does that come to fruition? Uh, generally, we, we have a design document that lists out like our plans that we want to do for future versions. And most of the time it's any one of the devs goes, hey, I have this idea. Maybe they'll talk to another one or maybe they'll just throw it on the dock and then we'll kind of go through it and, and look to see, you know, all right, is this feasible um, beyond being feasible? Do we think it will actually add any entertainment value? Um and then if it like if we feel it's going to add entertainment value, how much work is it going to be to get it there? Is it going to be overly complex for people to even understand in some regards? Um, will people even play it if we make it? Those kind of things. Yeah. And oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying it. It sounds a lot like building out a uh, like a business logic document for any other kind of you know program or process. enterprise yeah. of any sort. Yeah. Yes, but it's all yeah. volunteer and fun. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> the important part. Uh, speaking, yeah, like you said, a, gr- a great community around it too. Absolutely. Um, speaking of fun and uh, kind of a, as a follow-up to that, has there been any feature or anything that you really wanted to get into the rando but have been carrying around in your design doc up until now because you never really you know, got around to it or maybe it's too complicated or something? Um, personal features? One of them was uh, shuffling the... Um, what are they? the whirlpools I really mm-hmm. wanted to do that but oh. we determined that they don't actually add a whole lot if you shuffle them 
because they're only six. Mm -hmm. And uh, another one is we've actually done this and then undone this, and I would love to redo it. Was the uh, the Skullwood Small Key? <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> Don't even start, Vitor. Oh no! Yeah, that 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 guy. I uh, I'd I'd love to get that one moving out into the world. <laughs> so you know obviously a randomizer as we were talking about has kind of come a long way and you you've got some other you know plans for it is, is there anything is something like let's say for instance the sprites coming out you know i'm sure you started with just link and then a handful and now i think i counted the other day there's 148 of them the way that we're able to change sprites um you know i heard someone mention it would be really cool if you could change your uh, goose sprite you know and have like something different come and pick you up uh you know something like changing the music or maybe even having original music written for a randomizer what other sort of things do you think could still be modified or also where would you draw that line and say no we want to keep that the same as vanilla uh, a lot of the um choices in that regard were luckily we, we had a litmus test that made it very easy to determine whether or not we were going to allow that Specifically the sprites, we had a uh, someone come into the the server and and very boisterously boisterously say, "Hey, I should be able to change my sprite to Zelda," and we're like, "Well, mm, we're no, no, you shouldn't. You should play as Link. That's the game." And <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "No, I'll and you know you you guys should make it happen." And we're like, "Well, that's a, a lot of the time if you have a suggestion." Um, it's fine to suggest it, but but when you get to the point where you're like, you you should do this to somebody else, making demands. Yeah, that's yeah. that's for the point a volunteer where, thing. Yeah. yeah, not a good look. It's, it's so we were kind of like, no, we're not going to. But if you happen to figure out how to and let us know, like if you do the work, we'll see if we you know if it makes sense to integrate it. And they did. They they went and they did some research and they found out. Yeah, okay, so th this is you know the, what you have to do to to swap it in and out. And we're like, okay. And then we looked at it a little deeper, and one of our biggest concerns is um, racing, because the the game originally came out of the racing community, so we'll always have racing as as a big piece of any major major choice we do. And in this particular case, every bit of graphics in the game is compressed into that one megabyte ROM. If it if the ROM weren't one megabyte, they probably would have done you know something else. To, like it would have been a bigger ROM, they wouldn't have compressed anything because it's faster to load uncompressed things, in in that era. But they compressed everything except for Link Sprite. Link Sprite is completely uncompressed in the ROM, and it's just loaded directly from ROM to the um like the the graphics area in memory. And because of that, we can guarantee no matter what you do with that sprite, if you make it missing no, for example you are not changing the amount of time it takes to grab those pixels and put them on the screen. And that's our, our litmus test is if it were compressed, you could write like compressed sprites that load really, really fast and thus save maybe seconds, minutes in, in a race. And we decided that that would be the, the determining factor on what we do. That's why we don't let people change the sword and shield or any of the um, other sprites because they're all compressed in the ROM. Uh, that's a great design philosophy. I had no idea that uh, Link was uncompressed with everybody else there, every other sprite being compressed. That's uh, that's fascinating. 
Yeah, and the fact that that can change the timing overall and, and could be unfair for a race, yeah, that's a really good answer. <laughs> yeah, because I've always wondered, you know, why why do we have to have these limitations? You could change anything. We're all, you know, I'd say the majority of us play on uh, emulators, you know, so it's like, why why do we have to keep that the, the same? But I assume it's because if, if you go over, now you're having higher load times and, and advantages. Is, is that kind of what the case is? Yeah, that was actually one of the, the biggest things that we were looking at and um generally if you're playing on a console you're actually going faster than people playing on emulators just so you know Hmm. yeah the consoles uh play a little faster fps wise right it's like a one or two fps advantage they get it's 0.09 yeah something like that a a console runs at 60.09 frames per second where most i mean your emulator is going to probably run closer to what your um, display sync is, which is generally a uh, 60 hertz. Mm-hmm. Oh. So that's it. I'll take every 0.0 I can get. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, I just want to go fast. <laughs> so for everybody listening out there, if you want to uh, up your times a little bit, just go out and set up, you know, SD to SNES or, or get yourself an SNES Classic and set it up. You can get that little bit of uh, frame save. I think yeah. the, the Classic actually is an emulator, so you're not oh, going to get right. it with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what are some of your favorite sprites? Um, Link. You, oh, you're answer. a purist. You're, you're vanilla man. Uh, the, the others are, they're all fun. Um, but like a lot of my lineups, a lot of my movement in the game is so ingrained in like what Link looks like. And I mean, that's my childhood was playing, well, the original Zelda and Zelda 2 and Link to the Past. So I, I like seeing Link when I'm playing. I don't mind the others. I think they're all really, really beautiful and brilliant and i've had fun playing with a few of them but overall it's it's link links my man mm-hmm. that's fair i respect that so uh we were talking a little bit about the size of the rando and its community earlier uh do you or did you ever imagine that it would grow to the size it is now and kind of still growing at a pretty big rate i would assume uh, no, not at all. I <laughs> well, it's funny because I was actually I, I was streaming earlier today doing development on stream, and I was somebody had brought something up. We were it was um something I'm doing to to push the patches to a different place on the internet uh, to save time for people loading stuff, and and also just better like design philosophies in in the uh, web dev world, and I was sitting there kind of discussing way way back when i first wrote the randomizer like the website it connected to an sql light database and -hmm. i don't know if you know much about that but it's a um a database that locks on every like single transaction Mm -hmm. meaning Mm -hmm. i assumed when i originally wrote this that maybe maybe five people would use it a day kind of thing Mm -hmm. and it's 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 certainly not that now (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So where, where are we at now? Can you can you tell us like how many downloads you get a day? Um, I think on average about a thousand games are generated a day. Wow. If if not more, some some days are two thousand. I think. Oh wow, that's a lot Goodness. more than I imagined. <laughs> wow. People got to play. Rainbow. Sorry, let me. I'm just kind of reeling a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, man. It, yeah, that's huge. Is there a, is there an upper limit that you would say we've got to? redesign the whole you know front end back end engine is it ten thousand a hundred thousand a day that that would become a concern actually it, it scales really well um at this point 
if it came down to uh, more people hitting it, it would just be a matter of more hardware if, if it came down to that. But the servers that I have it on, we got lots of space for, for things to, to grow still. Oh, that's great news. Yeah, that's good to know. And uh, kind of as a follow-up to that, with the size it's at now and still growing, do you have you ever had any fears or are you ever kind of reluctant because of maybe Nintendo stepping in at some point? I do realize you don't provide the ROMs yourself. Everyone has to provide their own ROMs, so you're probably safe on that side. But we all know that Nintendo can get a little trigger-happy with stuff like this. A little litigious. <laughs> yeah, yeah RIP uh, AM2R. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, regarding that, I offer and support a patcher of games. Um, insofar as that goes, it's completely, you know, it, the software is only to patch. I don't aim to do anything that would land beyond that. If there was something that they felt they wanted to, you know, I, I would hope if, if there was something that, that was, you know, in their mind, like, hey, we don't like this aspect then I would be happy to like talk with them and, and, and work out whatever we need to in that regard. But overall, as a patcher, I feel relatively comfortable that that's totally in the clear. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it, what, it kind of, at my understanding at least, it's like the patchers that work back in, you know, when Mario ROM hacking got really big, you know, everybody would have a patch file and you apply it to the ROM. It's the same thing as why those tools that would apply the patches are kosher. Is that correct? Right. It's um, I, I'm offering or I have a service that lets you modify your thing. It's like, a, I don't know, if you went and bought a mod kit for your car, you know, it's, you're not you're not affecting everybody's car. You're not doing anything with the car. It's like cars in general, but you're modifying your car. The, the point here is that I'm just offering something to allow you to modify your legally backed up uh link to the past 1.0 uh japanese cart yeah, yeah. i mean just like uh game genie you know back in the, the 90s all they were saying is look we're giving the ability for you to you know modify memory you still have to have a legally purchased cartridge to use this absolutely yeah. So sort of in the same vein, do you know of anyone at nintendo who might be playing randomizer have you ever heard anything like that or something I've heard nothing directly. Oh, that's a mm. bummer. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I never considered that. That's an, a, that was a good question. Um, so th- we had this tournament um, that actually the, I believe game three is on right now or game four is on right now um, where the winner is going to be getting a cash prize, which you, this is an esport now uh, officially so do you, are there any other sort of plans to be able to do similar sort of tournaments um you know uh, alg andy is a member of allegiance which sort of an esports team so there's that involvement they tweet about randomizer really frequently so what what do you see for this for this uh games uh, for this mods future uh, in terms of esports um i i don't know i <laughs> i mostly develop randomizer i was i was an admin of the uh first three i guess tournaments that were done by like the the dev team of the community we we put on they're about to do their fourth one of those um my mind is you know it's it it, do anything you like with it uh have fun um but the only thing i'd ever want to give out in my mind is bragging rights 
mainly because mm. I'm not as as good as some other runners. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's kind of grown. Well, not kind of. It's grown kind of beyond you into this community, not just of players but of admins as well. And they're kind of being given a little bit of the reins to sort of take you know the vision of kind of these tournaments and events and things like that you're you're kind of saying that that that's fine you know and and you're just happy people are playing is that kind of what i'm hearing yeah i mostly am uh maybe i'll go back to adminning the uh some tournaments in the future but uh right now i'm mostly focused on dev we have a lot of dev that we've been working on this particular cycle that's kind of been causing us to like it's just been taking up a lot of the time that we've had available yeah, I can imagine. I've I've seen some of the previews of uh, in, inverted mode, and it looks really cool. But it must have been an absolute nightmare to get everything coded. Yeah, it's it's been fun. It's uh that that mode itself is has an interesting history. Um, it's I think been over a year in the making from like initial statement of, hey, I have this idea, and that was from Chris Christos. He's like, I have this idea, and um, I'm like, that's an interesting idea. Well, let's make it more. <laughs> so, so for those of you who aren't familiar, I, I just want to briefly describe what inverted is because I actually heard people talk about it, and I was incorrect in what I assumed it was, and I learned what it was somewhat recently, and it's really cool. So you start with Link in Dark World. And uh, you you're not in your you know dark world state, uh, w- but once you collect your moon pearl and you go to light world, then you're able to move around in light world. If you go to light world without the moon pearl, you turn into your dark world state. It's hard to talk about because it's inverted, but it's basically just kind of switching around light world and dark world. And so obviously the logic and the challenges um, associated with that are are really tough. But I know ALG Andy is seems to be obsessed with it. He's he's been streaming quite a few of the beta. And I think a lot of people are really excited to play that when V30 comes out. That's that's pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool, yeah. That's So that's your summary. You know, check it out on your own when, when V30 drops. I think this is a perfect opportunity to kind of segue and talk a little bit more about V30. I know a lot of people are really excitedly sort of anticipating this release. Um, can you give us an idea? Can you kind of give us an idea of when it will be ready? Do you have an exact date or sort of a time frame? Um, time frame is when it's done. Generally, on uh, projects like this, I don't, I don't like want to necessarily stick to a timeline if if I don't have to. Um, I just want to make sure that we have an excellent product out when we finish it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you definitely don't want to say, oh, it'll be out, you know, in two days. And then in the last day of testing, you find, oops, there's actually a game breaking bug that happens if you do this, this and this. And now yeah. I have to go back on my word. Right. I, I find it's better. Um, and this is just of all the games that I've played that in history where people have relative access to the developers of the games. It's best if you talk to people, you know, you tell them, Hey, this is what's happening or this is what's not happening. And if, if you have something secret that you want to be a surprise, you just, you just avoid ever talking about it. And then it becomes mm-hmm. a surprise when it, when it gets released. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, if you're just, you know, open and tell people, you know, like, Hey, this is, this is the current state. And when people ask for a date, you're like, mm, when it's ready. Cause you know, if it, as, as it's looking right now, everything's looking great. Um, no major bugs found at the moment. All the other ones that we have found have been fixed, but we, someone might, you know, come in later today after doing another beta test going, hey, there's this thing that happens where if you jump off a cliff and get hit by, you know, a boulder, 
all of a sudden the entire game turns purple and you're like, oh, we probably probably ought to do something about that. B31, coming soon. Featuring <laughs> purple mode. Purple mode, that's right. Yeah. You, you were kind enough to generate uh, 20 seeds of v30 and drop them into the alttpr discord and make them available for people to check out um i was able to check one out went through v30 i mean it's it's a link to the past randomizer you know it's the core game is is still there and it's still great but there are some additions and some changes that um overall i found to be uh definitely they enhance the the gameplay um there's there's going to be i think a lot to a lot to to see in terms of more people playing it you know my hype cave was pretty hype i don't know if that means hype cave is back but other you know things things inside the logic you know i'll be excited to see kind of after a lot of people have played it what sort of things are, are forming up i know as soon as v30 is officially out i am going right to inverted and trying it out and seeing how it goes it it looks so much fun but so challenging at the same time it is yeah. hugely challenging mainly because you're going to start in the dark world with three hearts and green mail and no weapon. Yeah, it. Uh, I've been playing a little bit of uh, Link to the Past Parallel Worlds, and it reminds me of the start there where you've got no sword, you've got no items, you got to use pots and you know bushes and try to get some items that way. Yeah. Um, the uh, Right off the bat when you started the original screen, I love that um, you can enter all three of the names at once. That's really cool. Uh, put Make messages available a little easier. Um, and you also can see almost very tracker like all of the items that you have and don't have um, in a way that, you know, the randomizer community is used to seeing. So I thought that was really cool. And then at the end of the seed that pops back up. So you can just take a screenshot of that. And it's like, this is where I ended up instead of just the item count and the time. So I love those changes. I thought that was really cool. Um, personally, I was okay with bombs and arrows, but I understand there are probably going to be some people that are a little taken aback by the removal of uh, bomb upgrades and arrow upgrades. So can you talk a little bit about the decision to kind of move those over to you know, more of a, you, so you go to a great fairy and you purchase those instead um, where the ice uh, palace is in light world, that Lake Hylia Island. Can you talk about the reasoning behind that, that change? Absolutely. So a long, long, long time ago, the upgrades were not in the game. And then we had created upgrades. There were two of them, a single plus 70 arrow upgrade and a single plus 50 bomb upgrade. You picked it up, your capacity went to those amounts, and then you could continue playing the game. Wow. Um, after, <laughs> I think, that lasted maybe half a version because I was playing and I'm like, I don't know. This is just silly. Um, let's, let's break them up into five and 10 increments. Because if you've ever played the original game and you go to that exact spot in Lake Hilly and in that center island, you can spend hours of your time throwing 50 rupees <laughs> at a time into a uh, into a little pond and eventually getting five um, like plus five bombs, plus five bombs until your seventh one where you get plus 10 and the same with arrows. And you get those great little uh, fortune cookies too. You know, you, like today you'll have big trouble. Yes, the uh, the the luck changing. And um, I could. And does anyone here know what happens when your luck changes? Yes, I was going to ask about that next, but uh, I, please continue first. I personally do. I was just wondering if any of you guys know. I I do not. I feel like I knew it one time, but I could not tell you now. Okay, I will come back to that. Now nah, I'll just tell okay. you. I'll tell you right now. So. 
in the original game, if you had normal luck, nothing different happened. If you had bad luck, the next 10 enemies you killed would drop nothing. If you had great luck, the next 10 enemies you killed would have a 100% drop rate. Wow. Never knew that. Have you ever tried to find a way to put that in random? We've had discussions. Oh. Um, yeah, that was uh, going to be my follow-up question to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's that, that code's in there. Let's use it. Um, on another side of that, though. So we, we had these um, these upgrades, and we decided to put them in the base game, and we replaced the, the three bombs and ten arrows that you found in the game with them. And it was fun, and it played well. But in our design document, we've always been meaning to put those in the shops, I think was our original idea. And we didn't have a way to deal with the shops until retro mode was made where we had to, we, we just got somewhere where like, we have to make, you know, the ability to edit, to, to randomize shops. So when we did that, it was like, all right, well, we're one step away from being able to put these in the shops. And we got back to the capitalism ferry or the Lake Hillia ferry and we're like, you know what? Why don't we just turn her into a shop and then people can just buy the upgrades where they would expect to buy the upgrades at a much faster rate than having to throw. The first time you go there, you have to throw them 20 rupees at a time. And then you like you have to wait for her to trigger and you have to do that over and over again until you get your upgrades. It's it's no no fun. <laughs> Yeah, and randomizer generally, uh, one of the things I really like about it, since it is so race focused, is any of those little small cutscenes where you have to wait or hear someone talk. Uh, those those are all eliminated so that we can just go go go. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that would be the exact same situation. Yeah, unless you run into that little annoying pink ball up on Death Mountain and he freaking blaps at you for oh, twelve man. minutes. <laughs> You only do that a couple times before you learn to give it a nice wide berth. <laughs> I, don't, I, I think what he says is, is lovely. It's very very pretty. <laughs> yeah, I'll read it on my own time, pal. Mm-hmm. Not, not when I'm trying to, you know, save Hyrule. <laughs> um, all right, so another change uh, in V30 that's been pretty, pretty hotly discussed is the inclusion of hints. So at various um, telepathic tiles throughout Hyrule, especially in the dungeons, there's quite a few of them where in the vanilla game you would touch them and get a little bit of, you know, story detail or some dungeon hints from either Sahasrila or Princess Zelda. Those of, uh, in original versions of Randomizer, they were just kind of fun, silly filler text uh, for the most part, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and now they will include dynamically some randomized hints about some of the item locations that are in uh, this randomized game. So can you talk a little bit about how you decided to uh, include that as a part of V30? Absolutely. Um, Originally, hints were slated for V31. (laughs) So let's just, they, they, um, but the, the current tournament that is about to start for the, uh, the the community tournament. Mm -hmm. The fall tournament. The fall tournament. That's what we're calling it nowadays. Um, they uh they they the tenet of that is to have multiple modes it's a multi-mode tournament and mm-hmm. the inclusion of key sanity in that was entirely based on the idea that it's not terribly race friendly because people get to ganon's tower don't have the big key and then are stuck searching like they might have to pick from one of three pendant dungeons to go full clear 
Right. It's like the ice rod problem, but much worse because you could be in a situation where you don't need ice rod. Exactly. Exactly. So when they decided that they were going to include key sanity, they're like, well, is there anything we can do about this? Maybe put a hint in for where the, the big key is. And I'm like, yeah, we can do that. And if we do that, though, we're going to go the full Monty on the hint system because I, I would rather just have something complete than like a one offer so yeah, that you have to know in key sanity. Oh, I there's, I have to go search for this hint. It's just, yeah. there are hints. It makes a lot of sense. You don't want to say, okay, we're going to put all this work into getting the hint system up for a single hint, even though we want to expand it to all of the other tiles. Right. So mm. the, the V30 version, um, it's still currently in flux. Um, but it's what what people got to see in the 20 games I posted um, links to. That's basically the, the, the basis of it is correct. So for the game that I played, uh, one of the issues is I don't know a lot where a lot of those telepathic tiles are. You know, I think we all are like very heavily in rando mode and we know the rooms that we have to take advantage of in randomizer. A lot of those tiles are outside of those rooms and it might still make sense to uh take some time to go read them because they can give you a huge advantage so i didn't see a lot of them because i don't know where a lot of them are but when i did see them i would take my time to uh, check them out and one of the ones that i got told me that there was only uh rupees in the big chest in swamp palace which was interesting because then as i'm walking around and you know continuing to play rando i'm sort of jostling that hint around in my head and saying okay well what does that mean that means when I get there, I can essentially just kind of mark one item off my tracker. If I find the big key somewhere, I know not to waste my time and go back and check that. So it was cool. I kind of had something to do in between areas where I was going to really kind of interpret that hint. Uh, another one told me that a small key and the big key were both fire locked in Misery Mire. That one was a real thinker, too. I had to think about kind of what that meant, how I was going to use that to my advantage when I got to Misery Mire. So overall, I, I really liked them, and, and I found it to be a really cool addition there have been some people that have been concerned, I guess, in screenshots from early versions or something like that. They saw uh, some of these hints would say, like, the bow is on Graveyard Ledge. Or it would just kind of tell you where something really important is. And I, I think some people were concerned that, you know, kind of the spirit of randomizer is the exploration and trying to find things. But if something just you just are told where one of these items are, uh, it could you know, especially in a race setting, if somebody checks that and the other person doesn't really kind of tip the scales. So uh, I guess all of that to ask the wording of these hints, are they going to be kept kind of more vague or will they sometimes just kind of give up the ghost that way? The simple answer is that yes and no. Um, some hints will still be clear as day. This item is in this location right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fine. I think it's okay to have a few of those every now and again. Um, mm -hmm. But there are going to be some other hints in V30. They're going to be like, a unique item is above the graveyard. And you'll just be like, huh, that could be the single arrow. That could be the bug yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be any item that there's only one of in the game. Or mm -hmm. is considered unique, I guess. Um, yeah, that's fair. Would the swords and shields fall and uh, mail upgrades fall into unique, or would they be classified as something else? I think currently they're classified as just a weapon and maybe a shield. I like I said, it's still in flux. We're still kind of playing around with some of the things. We um, this particular version of the of the hint system is not 
fully fleshed out because we also want to have hints that make more sense per mode uh, or game state um, because mm. things in inverted are completely different than things in open mode or standard. Right, yeah, that makes sense. And we, yeah, so we're still, again, this is one of those, there was a requirement for the tournament to have at least one particular hint in. And then we were like, all right, well, let's try out going the full Monty and see what we can do from there. And I think the way the hints are in V30 are not the way the hints are going to finish up in the like longer health of randomizer, mm-hmm. but that's okay. It's iterative. So we can, we can kind of roll with that. Yeah. yeah. And and speaking of iterative, uh, just a question that popped in my head based on that. So since we are all the way up to, you know, V29 about to move into V30 as the versions have evolved, has there been anything that stuck sticks out in your mind as something that you did and said, uh, oh, you know, we actually got some good feedback and some good insights and maybe we'll tweak it or we'll remove it or we'll change it based on how it actually worked out in reality. Uh, Skullwood small key, I think. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that thing again. <laughs> no, we, uh, we actually like, I've watched a lot of people play and how they play. And um, we, we do take a lot of feedback from people. Uh, some modes have been completely eradicated. The difficulties have been worked over multiple times uh, due to people's feedback of like, you know, hard mode isn't hard enough um, or it's too hard. And like, you know, just kind of like getting those a little bit more in line with something that people may want to play. They, they don't get played as much as you'd think. Although I think hard mode is 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 pretty pretty fine for people to play it's it's if you've played randomizer 10 times i'd say give hard mode a try it's unless you've just got gotten completely trolled and finished the game with like six hearts and the master sword every single time it's Mm -hmm. a little less than or it's it's more than that you get up to tempered sword and you still get silver arrows but uh for ganon but you don't like have as much of the safeties yeah i try to try every variation at least one time just to check it out uh the the something awful tournament or weekly uh, community that we're involved in we've been doing weeklies and for each of those a lot of times we'll have a bonus seed and uh we'll try some of these different modes and i've been really thankful of that because it has exposed me to some of these uh, modes that otherwise i might not have checked I, I really loved entrance randomizer which i did not think would be the case because so many people were talking about how difficult it is but i found it to be a, a really fun and exciting challenge so yeah everyone should definitely go check out as many of these modes as they can yeah, I had um, the same experience with Key Sanity. I thought, I'm not really going to like it. And then I played it and went, oh my god, this is so much fun. Mm-hmm. I do have a couple of V30 specific questions. I did go around and solicit some questions from the community at large, I want to say. And uh, the first one is probably a pretty easy one. It's about the bomb and arrow capacity upgrades. They're back at Lake Hylia, as we were talking about earlier. Uh, did those items get replaced with anything in the item pool? Big 20s, I would assume? Uh, they got replaced with bombs and arrows. Oh, because okay. that's... so just normal bombs and arrows then? Yeah, that's what they replaced. I noticed... Uh, yeah, I noticed a lot of bombs and arrows. That makes a lot of sense when I was playing. Yeah, they replaced essentially... So every bomb upgrade, I believe, replaced a three bomb, like just a three bomb pack, and every arrow upgrade replaced a ten arrow pack originally. So then we just reversed them back. Oh, okay. So it's just reverted back to how it was originally. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, the next two are a little bit more specific, uh, especially about inverted mode. I've asked some people who have played inverted, and um, one of them was when you mirror from the Bombos tablet location in the Dark World to the Light World, 
uh, you get mirror bonk back and uh, people told me that you said that's an intended feature uh, I was just yes. wondering about the reasoning behind that and why you would not want to make that area accessible by mirroring there because from there you can jump up to go to the cave 45 region and a lot of those transitions were never intended to be transitioned across mm -hmm. um if you're in a like if you're doing overworld glitches then you know what you're doing when you're like going through those transitions but a lot of people can just end up locking themselves in like an infinite scroll if they don't know what they're doing and yeah. the, the belief was if you couldn't get here before then you're not going to be able to get here now like okay, if there was that makes... yeah 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 that makes a lot of sense so that, that's fine uh, the other question about the inverted mode concerns TR. Um, I think it came from the lane, if I remember correctly. He was asking if you have any plans to make uh, the TR hub a little bit more visible. Apparently, currently, there's only like one tile of border missing and you kind of have to clip into the tail of the turtle and jump down and it seems not too obvious to people. Uh, the website will have a line of text that tells you you can climb down the tail on turtle rock one of those uh kind of catch all you know frequently missed areas mm -hmm. yeah okay that's, that's fair. fair enough yeah i think what will happen is enough people will play and they'll be like oh i just know this now because it's once yeah. you do it once you know it yeah there's absolutely. a lot of those for rando that we don't even realize that we're doing anymore you know you just you just figure it out exactly yeah i mean i i've had a, a friend of mine in, in real life who's been playing through and you know his times are about five hours now and He's asked me a lot of questions about like, oh, you know, I've got, you know, I've got the the gloves and the, uh, or or sorry, the flippers and the hook shot, and I don't know where to go. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, you you just go over to West Dark World. That's easy. And he said, wait, what? And I had to point him to the you know frequently missed things, and he went, oh my god, I didn't even know you could do some of this. I actually remember the very first time I found that out because you know, you you write the logic, but you don't think about it sometimes, and this actually right. this would have been before I had taken over writing the logic, uh, like the actual code portion, um, or it was early in it, and we were doing a race, and all of us were kind of like stuck, and this was I mean very early, we're all kind of stuck, and I I'm like wait a second, I have the flippers, I could just jump into the water here, I think there's a way to get up on the other side, and it was like moments like that are what I live for in randomizer, like I write the logic to be like you know with with chris and i working on it generally when we do or or when you know i'm working on it alone and to come and play the game and be like i only thought about it a piece at a time like what are the absolute minimum things to get to this one location and then to play it and you're like i don't believe the game put this item here this is insane love it yeah, yeah. i think one of those revelatory moments for me was one of my first tournament matches where i had to kill agonim one about two hours in because the pyramid fairy had my hammer and that just drove me insane. I, it took me so long to even get that idea. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Um, uh, can you give us a scoop? Can, can you give us some sort of V30 scoop? Some, something that nobody else knows, a, a Go Mode podcast exclusive. Uh, well, I mean, there are people who have beta access, so I don't know if there's anything that people... Not much left that, to reveal. Yeah, that people don't know in some way. Um, I mean, the big things that are, are going on there, Animizer is going to be added in v30 so you'll be able to shuffle the bosses animize your game make it look like somebody puked all over the screen 
Um, <laughs> yeah, that one's that one's a really big change that seems so small to kind of like look at, but it's the the website actually mixes in Python code for the entrance randomizer, C sharp code for the animizer, and then the PHP code that's written for the actual item randomizer. Like and and then the front end is like JavaScript. And so it's like mixing all these languages to make a randomized game for people in the game being written in assembler. Well, however it comes together, we are just very, very glad that it exists. Uh, what would be the favorite moment you've had in development, in playing, in watching Randomizer? Uh, favorite moment playing was the first time I realized that... Well, I had two, but, but one of them was seeing the bottle in the lumberjack hut and having the moon pearl on the sick kid (laughs) with with all the other bottles in Ganon's tower. The other one was finding the moon pearl in checkerboard cave. Um, These were, I mean, earlier, those two moments will always stick out in my mind. My favorite moment developing, and this was very early in, in my logic. I didn't, I, as much as I know about the game now, I didn't know so much. You know, you, you learn over time and I'm looking through a spoiler log and I'm playing along and I'm, I I see where the boots are and I'm like, oh, perfect. This is awesome. I'll just go kill Aghanim and then I'll go collect the boots in the lumberjack hut or, you know, the lumberjack cave. And I go and I kill Aghanim and then I walk up and I'm like, I messed up the logic. I really, really did. <laughs> <laughs> Who made this game? Yeah, there there was to pick with that person. Yeah, <laughs> we don't we don't have many. Uh, it's been a long time since there's been like a logical lock in the game. Pod comes up a lot in Ice Palace every once in a while. Those are our historical like everything goes wrong there logically. But it's when you think back to the earlier ones where you're like, how could I do something so silly like not require this item here? And you just don't find them anymore. But it would be nice every once in a while to still find one of those like, oh. I guess I shouldn't have put both, you know, like these two items in this one area that's impossible to get to without either item. Well, uh, I think you really opened uh, yourself up to more of these with uh, the inclusion of inverted mode, I would say. Uh, Actually, I already have one of my beta test reports was was perfect. It was like um, moon pearl at the mushroom spot. Thanks. And that was all it said. And I'm like... I'm like, wait a second. You you can't get there as a bunny. Oh, I, I see what they're getting at. Okay. <laughs> I do actually have two more questions for you, Vitorb, uh, but they're not about Rendo. They're about Vitorb the person. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, great. The, the first one would be uh, Willard asked me. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a troll question or if he's genuinely curious, but Vitorb asked me, uh, excuse me, Willard asked me about the history of your name, Vitorb, and how it came to be. Ah, um, it is related to my real name. Okay, well, that's fair enough. We're, we're not going to go into more detail about that. <laughs> uh, we, we don't want to dox you on here. <laughs> yeah, enough said on that, I suppose, yeah. And uh, the second question, your Twitter profile identifies yourself as a comedian, and uh, Willard also told me you're in a comedy troupe, if that's correct? That is absolutely correct. I'm Do you in... maybe want to talk about that a little bit? Sure thing. I'm in a comedy duo called The Truly Awesome Show. In that, Truly Scrumptious is the uh, female character, and I'm known as Totally Awesome. Uh, it's kind of 
sketch comedy, but we're dressed in an anime style and mostly wordplay and kind of traditional two person humor. You don't see a lot of like duo type comedy, but if you want to think back to um, Abbott and Costello style or, 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 you know, of that ilk in Mm -hmm. the actual comedy. That's awesome. Is there anywhere? Yeah. Is there anywhere someone can check that out? Um, well, we have a website, but uh, don't, I mean, go to it. Feel free. It's the trulyawesomeshow.com. And um, I haven't updated it in a while because I'm, I'm, I'm a web dev and I'm awful at updating sites sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, I know uh, that feeling. Truly also streams, and, and people should check her out because she does amazing work with paper and in, in like her creative land on, on top of the comedy that we do together. She like builds um, entire stage shows in paper Whoa. and it's, oh, it's amazing yeah it's really amazing to see some of those performances i mean all of the performances but some of them are just like filling an entire room with um you know people throwing candy all across the stage and lighting and just it's really amazing like two-story tall monsters and it's just really really cool oh that is super neat very cool um, and you mentioned that you do dev streams sometimes, right? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Usually on Saturdays, um, I stream regularly Saturdays and Sundays at 8 a.m. Uh, EDT. And uh, Saturdays I reserve for generally devving um, stuff. It, usually the randomizers. Sometimes I'm working on a, a sprite editor for people looking to do more in the sprite editing of Link to the Past, like the the characters. Um, because I'm, I, I work on a Mac and there isn't a lot of great options for like working on a Sprite. And I'm, I'm halfway done for, I think a year and a half now, my, um, my character Sprite that I'll never play because I'm, I'm going to play as Link, <laughs> but yeah, it was just, you deserve a spot in the game anyway. So <laughs> it would be yeah. at some point, get, someone's working on it, get that duck done. And, um, but, uh, uh yeah, the. The famous VTorb duck that's in all of your profile pictures. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the amazing nice. green duck. And uh, yeah, so uh, it's I, I try to work on anything. Uh, today I was just offhand. I was working on fixing a few bugs and um, doing some assembler coding, which I don't normally do. We have a, a great team of, of SNES assembler coders who like can code circles around me. But it was like, oh, I got some free time. Let me work on these. But it's, you know, to also, if people are there while I'm coding stuff, I usually ask for, hey, what do you guys think about this? And it's a great way to convince me to get something you maybe want in the game generally. Um, but in the end, I'm, I'm not going to lie. If it's a bad idea, it's it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> bad idea is just a bad idea. Sorry. Sorry about you. Yeah. While we're wrapping this up here, uh, we were already talking about your dev stream just now. But just in general, where can people reach and find you, Vitar? Do you want to give any... You, you're free to show yourself, your channels, your Twitter, whatever you like. Oh, okay. Yes, please. Uh, let's see. Um, my my Twitter, I believe, is Twitter. Dot is it com nowadays? Uh, slash Vtorp. My um, Twitch streams Twitch TV slash Vtorp. I'm in a band called Electrocult Circus. I play bass guitar. It's always fun to listen to that music. A fellow bassist, eh? Yeah, yeah. Got all it. right, hey. <laughs> uh, as a guitarist, you are a busy man. As a guitarist, all I can say is get out. Oh, wow. <laughs> Max, how are I mean, you drums? Have, have, have fun with your guitar playing to 
to nobody's dancing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, he got me. <laughs> um, yeah, we bring the grave. That's that's true. <laughs> and cool. uh, yeah, so but uh, those those are the usual places to to find me. Um, or on dis like you can find me on Discord. You can say hi. Go to the randomizer Discord and and uh, well, I I should I'll say this. Go ahead and say hi to me there, and and one day I'll know when this is when the podcast is out because. There'll be like a whole bunch of highs in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's so, very accessible. Yeah. So yeah, go in and say hi. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank you again for your time, Vitorp. Uh, it was a pleasure interviewing you. Thanks for being so open with us and letting you, uh, letting us ask you all the hard hitting questions here. Sure thing. Thank you guys for uh, asking all the, the questions that you did. I I do appreciate it. So uh, we're going to wrap things up here, but before we do that, we uh, do have a, a listener question, and we're going to need to try to figure out some sort of name for this segment, I think, other than just listener questions. But for now, that'll do. Uh, we have a question from at Trip SC2, Jim Tarpley on Twitter, who says, hey guys, love the podcast. I have a question, though. You were all unanimous about not stealing a key in DP, that's Desert Palace. But is it really that much of a gamble? It doesn't seem like that large of a time loss to get a few more checks early. Can you elaborate? What do you guys think? Well, so I will say, uh, you know, Vitorp has, uh, it's still with us. So Vitorp, what do you think? Yeah, I'm hanging around like a bad ghost around here. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the answer is, it's absolutely fine to steal that key. However, I suggest saving and quitting before you do. Um, if especially in key sanity, that's the biggest point where you would want to steal the key. In other particular like situations, you're the game thinks you need boots, so you're gonna get boots eventually, or you don't need to get whatever is on the boss. So don't don't steal the key, or you don't need to get what's in that in, in that side of the the dungeon. Right. Like yeah. the the only time it makes sense to do it is in key sanity, and the only time it makes sense to do it then is if you save and quit right beforehand because. I've had it happen to me. I stole the key, and then the Desert Palace small key was on the pedestal. Ooh. Oh, wow. I, I was in a very awkward position for the rest of that game. But it is one of the, It's like, you shouldn't have to. It's two locations that mathematically, there's probably one item over there. So you're better off just not doing it. But there, yeah, there is a time to do kinda, it. Yeah, that was kind of the conclusion we came to. We did have... Um, member of uh, the SA community, Trinex, uh, we were kind of talking about a little bit in one of our discords. He had brought up an interesting point, and it's uh, definitely compelling. So if you are checking the Meyer area, you know, you're doing Meyer Shed, and then you go over and do Checkerboard Cave. If you were to mirror in front of the back of Desert Palace, run in there and grab that key and come back, that's really only a five or six second time loss. And you if you haven't even checked Desert Palace yet, it's more of a safety than anything else to just say, okay, I have this key. If the key does happen to be on the torch, at least I have a key and I can go check those two items. I already know I'm going to have to come back. I knew that already. Say, you know, it was a crystal, for instance. But I did think that was interesting. You know, if you just make it a quick stop on the way, what do you guys think about uh, incorporating it like that? Is that a better time? So actually, I, I didn't even consider that when we were talking about it, but it makes sense to me since it is a quick in and out and you will be guaranteed to get those checks in. So yeah, if you're going in through the back entrance, uh, maybe that's something you want to consider doing and routing into your, your standard desert route. I have to know what Herf thinks about this. 
I'm still pretty much convinced that you shouldn't steal that key. Shouldn't do it still? Okay. I respect that. Also, it was logically it's safe. Don't do it. Yep, there, there we have it from Vitorp himself. It, it is logically, yeah. you know, don't do it. Vitorp knows best, mm-hmm. definitely. He, he made it. So, cool. All right, well, that's just going to about do it for us. I, I um, do have a late-breaking oh. update, though, for us. Yes! So I know how yeah. we mentioned at the start that we were watching the match between uh, Jem and Ben. Uh, that was the Game 4 match. And Ben did come back and win that match. So it is now 2-2. We will be having a Game 5 in the Summer Tournament on Wednesday. Which, by the way, awesome. is going on right now, as far as I'm aware. So uh, we'll probably know who wins this by the end of the day. Hey guys, Timp here. Currently editing the episode, and I just wanted to pop in and give you an update on the outcome of that Game 5 race. So if you still plan on watching that, skip ahead about 15 seconds or prepare to be spoiled. Okay, GG to Gem. Congrats on an amazing tournament. Enjoy that $4,000 prize, and we look forward to seeing what you've got in store for us next. Okay, back to the episode. All right, so thank you for that update. Uh, Axe, how can people find you? Yep, so as usual, probably the best way to find me is either on uh, on my uh, Discord, uh, where I, I go by you know, Axial, or on uh, Twitch itself, where I play as SA underscore Axial. Uh, so you need to find me. Those are the places to find me. All right. And HD. Sorry, you were really breaking up there. I didn't understand anything. I said HD. Oh. Huh. Well, uh, <laughs> as per usual, you can find me on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash Herfy Durfy, and uh, probably also on the Rando Discord. Just uh, feel free to say hi. I'm uh, pretty open to private messages or whatever else you want to throw my way as long as you're not insulting me. <laughs> That's a fair request, I think. <laughs> and Vitor, one more time, how can people find you? Um, well, I, I normally hang out in the back room of podcasts, so they can just listen for me there. <laughs> yeah, just email us. We'll, we'll make sure he gets it. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, on, I'm on the the Twitch and the Twitter, and I have a Discord it's uh it's it's happening lots of people hanging out there sharing words yes excellent so i guess that is going to do it for us again um i've been timp uh, joined by axial herfy derfy and again uh thank you so much to vitor for joining us feel free to come back anytime we'd love to have you back sure thing thanks a lot let's go ahead and mirror out